it reminds me at least of like my interactions with my friends, right? Like when you interact with like your really close friends and you talk about your plans for the future, plans about stuff. It's plans, it's it's like guarantees that you know you'll be you'll still be friends down the line. It was just a nice guarantee to have. It went from friends out of duty from like the fellowship bit to actually becoming best friends, I would say. Now, it, it wasn't just a, a alliance of convenience. It eventually became genuine friendship, which the movie does express with you. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? I will be dead before I see the ring in the hands of an enemy. You would die before your stroke fell. Oh, I'd never hear the end of it. What about side by side with a friend? I... I could do that. Hello you beautiful people and welcome to the Popcast Theory Podcast. This year has allowed us to consume even more pop culture from the comfort of our own homes. But sometimes we have to ask, what is it really all about? What are these characters' stories? How does that story influence their development? And most importantly, how does their story influence us? I'm your host, Tony Ramos, and along with my two co-hosts and best friends, Frasqui and Miko Lukban, we explore the journeys of these characters in recent, much older sources of pop culture and how they made an impact on our lives. All right, so welcome to this week's episode of the Popcast 3 Podcast. Today, we're actually going to be talking about my thing, I would say. Like, uh, I know I made fun of the guys previously, right? Like, that they were really big comic book nerds for some of the other topics we talked about, especially in the Alfred episode. But in this regard, I fully admit, you know, uh, <laughs> as you could guess from the titles, I'm a really big Lord of the Rings fan, so I will be carrying a bit of the, the lore bits. But at the same time, I would say that all three of us are pretty well-versed in the universe and that's why we'll be really discussing uh you know more of the character relationships and how the dynamic really moves forward and again i I would say this is a very unique episode because we're not focusing on an individual per se but we're focusing on the relationship that kind of comes out from these two individuals right but on that note like in the idea of you know relating with people i guess and the sort of fixing a dynamic uh how are you guys doing fast why don't you start off uh i guess i could say i'm good yeah, I'm good. But like, you know, before like <laughs> before me saying like I'm good and all, I just want to let the listeners know that on the day of recording, a few days prior, it was Tony's birthday. So, you know, <laughs> to anyone there, comment, happy birthday, whatever belated, or like a month or whatever so. But man turned twenty two. Man turned twenty two. Hell yeah, dude. Happy <laughs> birthday, bro. Thanks, man. But yeah, <laughs> other than that. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Trying not to swear. Cause like I've been listening to myself. <laughs> really? Wow, oh my it took you this long. It's full full realize. disclosure. <laughs> full disclosure app. <laughs> it's just... Oh man. How about you, Lokban? What's up? It... I'm good. I mean, now that Frash just said that, dude, it took you nine episodes <laughs> to realize that you swear too much. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, on that for a second there. You know, I mean, Character like, development, just, I would say. <laughs> just saying, let, let, let us see. Like if if ever like people like really like do hear me and like get bothered by the swearing, okay, I'll stop. But if people are going like, yo, bring back the swearing. <laughs> the passion. <laughs> sure, bro. Oh, I man. doubt people are gonna say that, but sure, dude. Hey man, whatever, whatever. It's how we express ourselves at the same time. You know. But yeah, I, I guess good 
<laughs> I guess that's uh, just a good bit there. Uh, you know, it's it just this is usually how we express ourselves. This is really how Frass talks in real life, by the way. This isn't like a, especially when we like, stuff gets pretty <laughs> when stuff gets pretty heated, like in the moment. Like we just really have a lot to say about the things that we care about, right? And this these are topics that we do appreciate. So it's something that we really do want to bring out. But yeah, in that same line of thinking, I I would try to like, ask, I guess, like to just start it off for you guys, especially. Uh, how would you describe like your your favorite dynamic duo, or not even describe, like name your favorite dynamic duo, and like kind of talk about it at the same time, right? Like in line of that uh, partnership sort of dynamic thing, not limited to Lord of the Rings, obviously. Like, what's a dynamic duo? What's your favorite dynamic duo? What you call this for me? It's uh, if you guys have watched Men in Black. It's Agent J played by Will Smith and Agent K played by Tommy Lee Jones. Cause those two, the the Men in Black movies like hit childhood for me, and like seeing that type of dynamic run throughout their like course in the movie, it was it was something fun to see. You know, you see Agent J, the rookie, the the more energetic and the more charming personality. And then you have Agent K, the more stern, grumpy, grouchy old guy who who's just like take things seriously and like doesn't really get so overwhelmed with the situation because like you know he knows he, he knows how the business works, he knows how everything goes. So seeing that dynamic being such a huge contrast, it's it's always so fun to see um, with them in the movies. Yeah. What about you, Lokman? Yeah, and I guess to to just add on to how much comics, uh, how big of a comic fan I am. Uh, there's this pairing called uh, the Super Sons in DC Comics, and it's uh, Damian Wayne, uh, who's Robin, Batman, and slash Batman's son, and then uh, Jonathan Kent, who is Superman's biological son. I mean, there's also. Another, let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> so, so Jonathan, Jonathan Kent, and uh, Damian Wayne, the Super Sons, uh, they're just really cool because it's it takes like the like the super stereotype of like uh, Superman and Batman and make them like in kid form, and then you put them together, which is just you know you have Damian who straight up actually killed people, like he's all dark edgy brooding uh, doesn't really respect any adults he thinks he's better than everyone and then you have jonathan who's like i want to be superman he's like such a good kind heart that hasn't done anything wrong kind of kid i think it's just really interesting to see their dynamic and like damien's traditionally like a really dark character given like his background and everything and it's a nice contrast to see him actually be a kid with essentially a kid superman yeah yeah and on that note right like i really i i want to talk about those two dynamic duos that you guys mentioned because they, they kind of create like this relationship that is present in the dynamic duo we'll be talking about today in such a way that for agents k and j I, I would say that it's a really buddy cop dynamic movie where you have like you know a sort of disgruntled or the guy, but then at the same time they're both making jokes. Like maybe at like the the whole dynamic is that they're still friends. Like even if someone is the more serious side and someone is like the more fun side, I would say that they're both friends and they're just really having fun at the end of the day. And at the same time with uh, Damien uh, and and John, 
Jonathan, but yeah, his nickname's John. Uh, it, it really John. does. Yeah, it's just John. <laughs> when when it does come out, they they're best friends, but they're essentially the opposite person, right? We're like Damien's essentially like you know Batman in kid form. John Jonathan's essentially the the golden retriever uh, equivalent of a superhero, right? And with that, it is reflective of like opposites attracting, but at the same time, opposites working really well together in regards to their friendship. And those are actually our characters today, our, our pairing today, if you will, uh, within Gimli and Legolas. Now, just a bit of a background, right, uh, with how Lord of the Rings is really presented. Before, and I think uh, Miko's actually going to give us the rundown regarding the entirety of the trilogy, at least their experiences, th their perspective of, of the actual Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh I'd like to point out a few things that kind of starts off the context of the entire situation. Like one has to understand that in this universe of like in this fantasy setting, that kind of was a benchmark for future fantasy settings. Uh, dwarves and elves are always at odds with one another, and it's like it's just something that's there. Like especially if if you're introduced to the fantasy setting via films, like it, it's just assumed that. Right, dwarves don't like elves. <laughs> and then everyone's just like, why? And then it's one of those things that you'd have to read further into it. Uh, I would say that uh, just a few fun facts, right? Uh, the Silmarillion and other prequel stories to the Lord of the Rings trilogy actually does explore the history between the dwarves, dwarves and the elves, where, you know, there was like some betrayals, misunderstandings, moments where the dwarves needed help, moments where the elves needed help, and then either, with, either uh, race didn't actually show up. Right, and the irony there is like, despite man being the the weakest, quote unquote, of the races, they were the ones who were like, you know, loyal to the end, loyal to a fault, if you will, with like being present for all. So they were sort of the bridge between the two communities. But the the funny thing there is that we are exposed again to, to Gimli and Legolas, right? And these two individuals, as we know, as we've discussed and hinted at the entire time, they eventually do become best friends. So right now, let's explore like what led to that sort of you know conclusion and what led to that friendship but and how can we learn from you know friends from completely different cultures and completely different contexts so yeah uh, miko maybe you can take it away for uh the trilogy yeah so i think just something to point out as well for uh our discussion today is that uh while we are specifically talking about legolas and gimli they actually don't have that much screen time compared to some of the other characters in the trilogy. Uh, in, at the end of the day, while they are key members to the fellowship and they do, and they are key characters to the over the whole story, uh, they are supporting characters at the end of the day. So they don't exactly have a lot of moments given yeah. to them. Um, but uh, given that, uh, some very uh, moments to important moments to point out from the movies like first with the first film uh fellowship of the ring when we first uh see uh, legolas and gimli which is at the meeting at rivendale um the kind of like the first instance we see is gimli being very vocal about how much he doesn't like elves um we see that he's very aggressive towards elves in general um like uh very much in due to uh their past history and how their races really don't get along then later on in the movie uh when that 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 this gimli's disgust of uh elves in general is seen again when they get captured by 
elves from Lothlorien. Um, and like this group of elves uh, seem very disgusted by Gimli. And he gives equal reply to how they insult. They get, he gives equal insults to them as they insult him. And at the end of that movie, and something important to point out then is when they leave Lothlorien, um, they leave on a bunch of boats and different members on the fellowship are on different boats. And I guess it's also key to point out that it's Legolas and Gimli uh, who share a boat together. And uh, as Gimli talks about um, the gift that he got from uh, from Galadriel, uh, it's important to note that Gimli is retelling uh, the gift that he got from her and how impressed he was by Galadriel. He's telling that entire story to just Legolas. And, you know, not everyone can hear him. And in, at the end, we see that the two of them uh, end up going with Aragorn to go uh, at the end of the movie, I mean. Uh, when the fellowship is broken, uh, spoilers. <laughs> I mean, this is an old movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, as um, Frodo and Sam go off in one way, instead of chasing after them, Legolas and Gimli go with Aragorn to go look for the other hobbits who have been captured, and they um, go with Ar. Aragorn on their own quest. Uh, before moving forward, I think it's important to point out that this doesn't seem a lot, and we're gonna have a fairly big jump in the relationship come the next movie. Yeah. Um, but it's important to point out that the movie does not uh, properly represent how long the journey took. Uh, the journey in the in the movie takes much longer than uh, what is actually felt or presented in its runtime. Yeah, for us? Oh, no. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, to anyone listening, <laughs> whoever feels like, what? When did this happen in the movie? We're going to be referencing the extended version of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, anybody who, who wants to like, know more context about like what went on in the story, check it out. It's so worth it. Adds yeah. more... <laughs> And so much more, and add, yeah. Add, that's all I want to say. It's the only but way to watch. Just, <laughs> just me geeking out, being a geek nerd, yeah. Okay, so then moving on to Two Towers. Um, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are kind of on their own journey, uh, looking for the hobbits. And they have this whole thing where they essentially help save a nation's king. Running across New all Zealand. That stuff. Running across New Zealand. Well, New Zealand is where they shot the movie, but <laughs> essentially running across New Zealand and stuff. And essentially, at, at some point in the movie, it gets to a point where the three of them are held up in this big uh, keep called Hel- Helm's Deep. Uh, you you better watch the extended version to get the better battle sequence for this. <laughs> uh, but essentially, they're... Um, they're the human uh, faction that is there, they're cornered, they're about to get overrun by a giant army of orcs. And, you know, on the night before the battle, 
you know, you can see that they're getting ready. And Legolas speaks to Aragorn in Elvish. My copy did not have subtitles, so I have no idea what was exactly said. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, like Legolas, like the the vibe that's happening is like Legolas is trying to tell Aragorn like, what's the point of the fighting? Like, he's gonna throw his life away. And Aragorn like gets mad and like just retorts, "Then I will die as one of them." And then he walks away. And uh, Legolas is about to push, like follow Aragorn and try to keep talking to him, but Gimli uh, tells him to just let him go. And that's that 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 was one of the signs that an elf listening to a dwarf and. Well, in the context of the movie, like if you weren't really paying attention, it might not seem like a big deal. But in the overall lore of the Lord of the Rings, that's actually very significant to see an elf listening to what a dwarf is saying. And then later on during the battle, we see that they're actually having a competition on who can kill more orcs. Um, and we also see that get later on, and again, uh, we see Gimli actually having grown quite a friendship with both Aragorn and Legolas as at one point when Aragorn and Gimli need to jump like a distance to reach a bridge, Gimli tells Aragorn Don't tell to toss him, but not to tell the <laughs> yeah, elf. Yeah. In, a, in a very bantery, uh, very friendship kind of manner, which uh, really shows like how, how good friends they are. And even at the end, um, at the end of the battle, uh, they exchange some banter and uh, Legolas shoots an orc that Gimli is sitting on just to say that their count is even at 46 kills each or whatever. Uh, moving on, on the third movie, they confront uh, Saruman. Like, Gimli says to shoot Saruman and Legolas listens to him, <laughs> gets his bow ready, and his only stop by Gandalf being like, no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, then we see them when they're celebrating in the halls of Rohan. Um, they have a drinking, uh, a, they, they play a drinking game together, which is... Uh, and Legolas, and Legolas dominates. Legolas, Legolas wins <laughs> to the point he's like, I think it's affecting me while Gimli passes out. <laughs> 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 um... I think something like even like you can't really go without talking about Legolas and Gimli without really talking about Aragorn and how Legolas and Gimli kind of really become Aragorn's like bodyguards throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Following him like all the time. Like when Aragorn goes into the mountains to recruit an army of the dead, he insists on going alone. But Gimli and Legolas are ready to go with him. And uh, one of the line that kind of brought us the idea of doing this whole episode about the two of them and which is like a real show of their friendship is at the last battle in front of the gates of Mordor is uh, when Gimli is like, uh, I never thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. And Legolas just looks at him and says, what about side by side with a friend? And Gimli just looks at him smiling uh, saying, I, I can do that. And for the most part, that's really their friendship. It's really, um, I think, something like to figure out, like if you look at it from start to end, that 
um, it was a friendship between brothers in arms and a friendship born from duty of of unified duty, like for the quest for the to destroy the ring, save the, save Middle Earth and stuff like that. And one thing that I can't stress enough is that uh, the movies do not show you how long this all is. Like you could argue, it's just like they don't really look like they hate each other. They became friends pretty quickly, but I think it's important to understand that from start to finish, um, the whole quest was thirteen months. But essentially, the part of where we see the movies is arguably like five to six months. And uh, I, I, it's really important to understand that. A lot of a lot of friendship building can really happen in that period of time. Yeah, and uh, I think Tony can kind of go into more of like the things that the movies don't really get to show about them becoming friends, simply because it's a movie, it's not the book. You can't really throw in too many Everything, subplots, yeah, yeah, yeah. or else it's gonna get a no. I got that. Yeah. It, thanks for that, by the way. Uh, just a few things. Like it, this is really more of the discussion section, so it's just like. You guys know how it goes. Uh, I really just want to double back, right, into talking about fellowship again. Uh, I, I know for a lot of people, if like I honestly can't rank the films. <laughs> I can't even rank the books. Uh, but for a lot of people, if they do rank the films and books, usually fellowship comes in dead last, which I understand, right? Because it's a lot of context building. It's a lot of talking. One hour and a half in, you're still in the Shire, right? Like, there's so much of the <laughs> there's so much of the film that you actually have to digest regarding like this the entirety of the fantasy series that it becomes hard to really focus on every single individual person right and that's why for example like er, in earlier times you can really see how uh books like game of thrones right benefit from the tv show setting where they get to depict every single character in their own context separately for like you know and, and it makes sense right and how it's depicted like you have 10 episodes like each of them are like an hour long and then you have you know as many seasons like as possible uh, i mean obviously you stop at season six don't watch seven and eight for game throws but we're not talking about game throws uh in that line of thinking right it's one of those things that uh the lord of the rings movies while they are good they don't necessarily do every single character justice and that involves legolas and gimli i, I would say that the way they depict them is like really you know comedic relief essentially aragorn's bodyguards right and it's just like a security net for the audience to know that okay our boy's okay <laughs> right that he's interacting with these with these two like awesome individuals who like who carry the entire uh who carry their respective battles that they're a part of right like i would say like in helm's deep like so many more <laughs> people probably would have died if like the, the dwarf and the elf weren't having a competition for whoever they could kill more right but again backtrack into fellowship i would say that the book does explore their relationship a lot more because that's where we see uh how they even interact with one another right at first and a lot of the times i, I would say again it, it kind of backtracks into that whole there is animosity and there is conflict immediately just because of their races right just because of their respective races there's already tension where like legolas like says i mean this is this is mentioned in the book in the meeting at rivendell uh he says that you know the, the ring must be destroyed, and then uh, the, you know Gimli volunteers to join just because there's going to be an elf, a part of the party, right? A part of the fellowship. Like that's that's his logic. It's kind of out of spite initially, but as we move along, we do see like for example uh, at, at Durin's door, which is the 
the the secret entrance that they have to Casa Dune or the Mines of Moria, right? Uh, that that sort of secret entrance that they have, they they talk about. Early Gandalf talks about a bit of history in it in the book and how it was created by both elves and dwarves in another life, right? In another time, even because you can see how it's uh the the door the enchantment it, it's it leads to a dwarven hold, right? But the enchantment that need, that it needs to be said to actually open it is enchanted with elvish magic, right? So there's Man like, Lord. yeah, dude, there's there's like that that level, right? Speak open and and uh, speak friend and other, and it was just it was just great, right? Just seeing that sort of interaction for uh for it to actually be depicted, and uh yeah, with that, that's that's sort of the the moment in the books where Gandalf just begs Gimli and Legolas like can't you guys please try to be friends and then they're just like fine like that's the moment that they're like fine and that kind of sparks like the hint that they will become friends right and especially uh <laughs> I mean we all know the I mean again spoilers <laughs> if you reach this far into the podcast and you don't know the series stop it just watch it watch it read it <laughs> yeah but at this point right uh you shall not pass Gandalf fucking dies and then when he dies at that point it's just Everyone's kind of like, whoa! Like th- that's the moment where the fellowships at its like at its hardest, right? Well, I mean, next until Boromir dies, but it- it's before that moment, and that's when they're leaving the mines of Moria, and Gandalf just dies. And at the same moment, Gandalf they're brought upon by the Lothlorien elves, as as Miko mentioned, and they're essentially not even captured, but they're held at first, right? And then the the main point of conflict again is is Gimli and the elves, because again he's a dwarf, right? And then here comes Legolas, and then Legolas is the first person to actually vouch for him in the books. And that's a really important point. Now you can see uh, Legolas finally goes beyond you know, the, the racial differences that they have and the, the cultural context that they have, and he just stands up for his friend. Of course, there, there's a bit of uh, clunkiness involved where uh, they, they ask to get you know to, to bandage his eyes, and then Aragorn offers that everyone gets bandaged, and... Uh, Legolas gets insulted, then Gimli makes fun of him. But there's that whole banter bit. But the point was Legolas stood up for him, right? Even like with his own race or spoke on his behalf to his own race. And that was like a major point. And that's what led as well into, uh, you know, Lothlorien and the interactions with Galadriel. And uh, Lugban kind of talks about, Miko kind of talks about this a bit. But the whole point was Galadriel was so, the way she's depicted in the book, right? And even in the movies a bit. Uh, She's like, you know, she's essentially this angel made manifest, right? She's a goddess, uh, an elf, elven goddess. Uh, and, and she's just, you know, so great <laughs> that, that Gimli is like, he, he's infatuated with her almost immediately. And then he's, he, he's confused because, you know, it's an elf witch. That, that's, what, uh, that's how she's described as, right? But the thing is, when she, he first interacts with her, she's like, she's so beautiful and she's so friendly compared to the rest of her race at the time right but the main reason that people even put up with Gimli and they interact with the fellowship on a good in a good way is because of Galadriel in the books and then another point that I also want to bring up again uh, Miko makes this point in regards to the length of the entire series it, it's like five to six months six to seven months again uh like the one-way trip by the way uh but they spend like a good few weeks to a month in Lothlorien just chilling I mean, chilling is relative. Gandalf just died. They're trying to plan their next move. Uh, but when they were when they were figuring stuff out, right? The way it's depicted in the the books, like of uh, the books, the way it's depicted in the movies, like tops three days, right? Few days, a weekend, even a weekend uh, escape, and then back to work. But the way it's depicted in the 
yeah, the way it's depicted in the book, it's essentially like a few weeks, like maybe even a month. And during that time, Legolas would go back into the woods, right? You know, do elvish things, hunt and everything. And the only person he would bring with him is Gimli. And again, that's like a major arc in their relationship, in their interaction, where they actually go out and they, you know, have fun. <laughs> or they, they explore it together, essentially. Because again, Legolas actually hasn't been to those parts of the forest in a while because he's been stuck in like in his own parts of the forest uh, for, you know, millennia or so. Uh, but yeah, on that note, again, same context. They do ride the same boat down the river. When the fellowship is trying to decide their next move at the break in the river, they're actually having a discussion and Legolas and Gimli are of the same mind. Like they were just like, we should take the ring to uh, the White City, to Minas Tirith, right? And the entire discussion was like, but only... If Frodo is also game, and that this like that's like a main point that they they both agree on that idea that you know uh, it would be faithless uh, to leave when the road darkens, right? Like I, we're not going to give up the fellowship essentially, and that was the sentiment I think for the, everyone else. But Gimli and Legolas were the ones very vocal about it, especially now that Gandalf was gone, right? Up until you know uh, Frodo Frodo and Sam leave, Boromir dies, and the fellowship does get split anyway, right? Right before that. And again, I would like to sort of open this discussion for everyone involved. Now that we have like a bit more book context, how do you think that that makes you or helps you understand the movies further as well? Or maybe even like just the relationship further? Go ahead, Fras. Well, well on first things first, I just want to say, even though like, you know, not having read the books, I am having that moment where like, the storytellers of bun- like telling a bunch of kids the story, and I'm even amongst the kids. I'm like, wow, I didn't <laughs> know this. You you watched the movie, yeah? I didn't read the books though. So like, tell me more, dude. Like, I'm I'm fascinated here. But like, it's 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 cool to it's it's cool to see how how many times like Legolas vouches for for Gimli and how much he he stands up. Um, for for him, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if like a lot of people catch this, but you know, like watching fellowship of the ring and seeing um that scene where the fellowships made when gimli makes that comment um about elves you you see the huge contrast between gimli and legolas already like gimli's all talk and then the the dwarves join him going like yeah yeah smack talk smack talk but then um for for legolas side Legolas is just standing there, acting stern and like holding back all the other elves who are about to like talk back to Gimli. So you see that huge contrast that you know who who's like who who's more of the chaotic one in the in in what you call this between the two. So that that was something that that I noticed uh, pretty much that yeah I'm 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 repeating myself there, but like you know I noticed it and I was just like wow okay cool. Like you, you really like you. You instantly get the um the the characteristics of both of both characters, and I don't know. Like it's 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 also another thing to to see that that both um both Gimli and Legolas, like you know, or even like people in general, like when when they know that there's something much bigger than them, like you know, coming up, that they can put their differences aside. Which is which is such a which is such a big thing to really like think about that you know the whole world doesn't like revolve around you type of thing you know like put your differences aside work together because like you know like the whole world is literally um you know 
about to come to an end if ever like you know things go things go bad wow wow this is really hard to say without swearing there's so many times <laughs> I'm about to say oh man like substitute substitute but, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it man I got it man don't worry that's all I gotta say now yeah how about you Miko like do you think there are any like stark differences in the films or, or like th- does it give you a better appreciation of the films as well like from what i've brought up yeah I, th- i think for the most part like having gotten to hear a lot of like how it works in the book it it's one like it lines up like i think that's something important to like i think it's something we've mentioned before like adaptation from yeah uh, material to material i think it's it's important to to point out and appreciate that how they're presented in the movies lines up with how the relationship is in the books. I think the books allow us to have a more contextualized view of their friendship coming from the movies. Like it doesn't look like, okay, Gimli like hated elves and then he suddenly became really good friends with Legolas. It, it gives us the moments and the, the, the relationship building that reasonably naman, the the movies couldn't give us and i think that it it really did for like learning that really did help me uh, in preparation for this podcast um, <laughs> to to have a better understanding of how the relationship works and just how did they get to that point in the end of the the trilogy where uh Uh, Legolas is like, how about dying side by side with a friend? And Gimli's like, yes. Like, I think it it gives more payoff to that one moment, which really encapsulates their whole dynamic. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think, like, in line with what you guys have been saying so far, right? It, it's just a it's just a better appreciation of the relationship. Again, we put the whole disclaimer thing that. Obviously, you don't need this to appreciate like the series and everything, but it does help you appreciate the characters, right? And like the movies, again, they're limited to movie standards, so they can only do so much with their information. And they actually did pretty well, as as Miko mentioned. Uh, yeah, I, I think what like how many Oscars, dude? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like it, it just brought a lot of light to the series as well. And arguably, that's how I got in, right? I didn't start reading the. The series I watched it first, and I was just like, "This is awesome!" And then that's when I that's when I started reading stuff related to it. Yeah, it, it's not really a, a a thing. Like I would say, the the movies were able to bring light into the series, and that that's amazing. Uh, yeah. On that note, though, like jumping into to two towers, I would say, and maybe we can kind of uh, pair it up with Return of the King because I would say like it, it does lead up pretty well and. If you do follow the series, like Fellowship, does feel like a mini break before the next part. But then Two Towers and Return of the King is relatively quick, and it's like uh, straight into one another. Uh, yeah, again, as Miko mentioned, they do become essentially the three hunters. That's what they they call themselves for a while, and that's what the, the books called them as well. Uh, it was just Aragorn sort of leading Gimli and Legolas around. Uh, you know. Rohan, essentially, trying to hunt down the Urukai who actually took Merry and Pippin. Uh, Nerd. 
Yeah, you know, Miko brought up orcs earlier. I was about to stop everything and she'd be all like, it's Orokai. I said Orocs. I said Orocs. <laughs> like you mentioned the, the orcs. I heard orcs, that took, like the hobbits. And I was just like, uh, Orocs? Orokai? That took you know, America. But, uh, but all right, it works, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they also have call them like orcs, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but still. It was a mix that they finally met up with others. Anyway, uh, Pep, and for this section of, of the two towers, yeah, we do see like a section of it, and this is like the one that uh, Miko highlighted that there are instances where where Gimli's you know mouth is really fast, <laughs> and then he's just like he 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 says something, and then someone like threatens to kill him, and then Legolas is the one who like you know threatens to kill him back, like especially the interaction with Aomer, which I think is very different from uh, the movie. And the books, because in the movie it, it was just Aomer literally insulting Gimli's height, <laughs> and then and then uh, Legolas was just was was, a, was an arrow immediately. He's like, don't talk shit about my best friend, and that was like that was essentially the interaction that happened. Whereas in the book, it was just a matter of, uh, and, and I would say this is also important in the context of of Gimli really pulling off his title as Gimli elf friend later on. Um, the interaction with Aomer. Eomer actually insulted Galadriel. And or at least he said something in the context that she, she wasn't the most, you know, beautiful woman alive. And Gimli was like, Oh, you take that back, bro. And then, and then Eomer was like, nah, man. And then like all his men were about to like kill them. And then Legolas like, pulls it like you would die before your you know your stroke fell. And that entire interaction changes, right? Like the, the context changes immediately when you consider that Gimli wasn't insulted because you know he was a dwarf. He was insulted on behalf of elves in the interaction. Right, and that's Whoa. that interaction is just really interesting. Now you're considering from the two towers perspective, he's developed so much that I mean, it's it's an obvious thing that Galadriel was a big component, but at the same time, with how he's been exposed to Galadriel and and uh, Legolas and everything, to him, it's just like, oh my god, you can't insult her. <laughs> and, like that was the entire interaction. This is really amazing. Uh, again, like Aragorn obviously steps in. He's like, guys, 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 come on, we're on the same side. We're all, we're on the light side here. Uh, and then, you know, eventually it does lead into the interaction at Edoras where we do see uh, Gimli and, and Legolas and Aragorn uh, beating up the, the bad guys there while Gandalf was trying to save Theoden. Like, that was the entire interaction. I, I think it was... It's not really talked about in the, in the movie, but I, I think it's the henchmen of, of Grima Wormtongue, who's the guy who's, like, been feeding lies into Theoden's head, right? And they're the ones who, like, beat him up long, and they were they were essentially protecting Gandalf. And uh, that was that was their role for a bit, up until they moved to Helm's Deep, which was the, the fortress that Rowan had, and that was where the, the big epic scene happened for the two towers. Again, in the in the books, it's more of the interactions that kind of happen with, with Gimli and Legolas. There are those many interactions where they just, they feel comfortable, that even though they're there on the receiving end of a siege, they're with their best friend. Like they, they express that out loud in the books. Like that that's also a main point now. You know, at least if we're gonna if we're gonna fight here, I got my best friend with me. Not not as overtly, you know, out loud as as the as mentioned in the Battle of the Black Gate, which happens in Return of the King. It's still depicted in the same way that, you know, they're fighting together. And it does turn into like a healthy sort of uh, combat situation where they start counting kills. Uh, minor thing <laughs> the kill count's actually different from the books and the movies the movies it's like 45 and then it goes up to 46, 46. no 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 it's it's 45 for Legolas 46 for uh, 
Yeah, for Gimli. For Gimli. But then well, it, technically they they Legos even, evens it up in the end. <laughs> the guy what had an axe in his head. <laughs> but then but then Gimli in, in the books, Gimli wins the kill count at 42 and Legolas is at 41. It's like a super minor difference, but I have no idea why they changed it. Maybe Peter Jackson was just like, that's too few. <laughs> Let's add five more dead Uruks. I I don't know why. Uh but yeah, and then there was also this mini interaction again that, that kind of comes after where uh, Gimli sees the the glittering caves, which we only get like a sort of look at. Peter Jackson does do the descriptions justice in the films, but I would say that the books describe them so vividly that it, it's just, it, it's a shame that Gimli wasn't able to see them. Because in the in the books, Gimli expresses that he would love to show Legolas the, the glittering caves, right? And that was also part of it. Uh yeah, and then Legolas, like they have this whole discussion where only if they go through the Fangorn, which Legolas wanted to explore, which is the forest bit. So it's like it's a mix of representing your culture and wanting to show your culture to your best friend, right? Despite their context being so, you know, different. Yeah. And again, like uh, I- I'm just gonna go straight into Return of the King. By the way, we can we can talk more like in regards to the discussion after. Uh, I would say that it it immediately leads into the Return of the King because they're having that discussion, but as they're talking, they're preparing for war. They're already with uh, Theoden and Edoras, and they're preparing for, uh, well, saving Gondor, essentially. Uh, but when they're having this discussion, they would say that, again, Gimli has numerous moments where Legolas has to tell, like, trees and people that, no, 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 he, he means no harm. <laughs> like, I'll speak on his behalf. He's a cool dude. And, like, that happens a lot because, like, I guess, at the same time, dwarves aren't as exposed to, like, uh, trees you know, that, that could talk, and then ants who were tree shepherds, you know, to that extent, like, it was just Legolas speaking on behalf of his best friend often. Uh, yeah, and, and again, it there were a lot, many moments, I would say that the Two Towers and Return of the King dynamic was very similar, just because that every time they would go somewhere to just be all like, I would do this better. And then, like, especially when they got to Minas Tirith, uh, like, Gimli goes there, and then he just says, I would improve the stonework, like with with dwarven, you know, smiths and everything, and then and stonemasons, and then Legolas is just like I would also improve the city <laughs> by by involving elves and stuff like that. And it was just it was just this friendly banter, but at the same time, it's like planning with your friends. It's very, uh, how would you say this? Uh, it, it reminds me at least of like my interactions with my friends, right? Like when you interact with like your really close friends and you talk about your plans for the future, plans about stuff. It's plans. It's it's like guarantees that you know you'll be you'll still be friends down the line. It was just a nice guarantee to have. It went from friends out of duty from like the fellowship bit to actually becoming best friends. I would say now it, it wasn't just a, a alliance of convenience. It eventually became genuine friendship, which the movie does express pretty well. And again, I, I would say that there was this whole. Again, the dynamic was emphasized with with Aragorn and how they really moved on, and they they kept. You know, savings from city to city, and they kept uh, moving on, moving on. It, it is also a major point where Legolas and Gimli actually point out, like again, like the Battle of the Black Gate and the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, like everything leading up to the finale. Even in the appendix of of the book, right when you get like the epilogue, sorry, of the book, you do get like that that latter half uh, story, and you know, just things that wrap up the ending. Again, you you see that there was this 
a bit of a throwback for Galadriel. She gave uh, Legolas a prophecy where if he heard the call of the sea or the call of a seagull specifically, then he would like have this urge to to go seaward, right? And he shared this with Gimli and he shared this with the hobbits uh, when he linked when they linked up with Merry and Pippin. And it was all very you know it was very sad because it, it was just that moment where people like realized that. You know, Legolas would eventually leave because he was being called by the sea, and that's I think a lot of the elves were being called by the sea. And we know for a fact, or at least you know, me giving you guys context, uh, Legolas has never been really exposed to the sea. He's always been like you know the north part of of Middle Earth, and only at the moment where they were fighting, you know, the southbound and southward, uh, was he exposed to the sea. He heard the cries of a seagull, and he had like the strong urge to go to the sea. And he told Gimli about it. Like that's just another point and really emphasizing the relationship where you know you hear a prophecy about yourself and it actually does apply and the person you talk to it with is your best friend right of somebody from a completely different race and to just cap it off i would say uh despite all that i you know ideation and and everything um at in the end even when he did eventually build a boat with some elves to go out into those undying lands westbound right um he suddenly, he's just like, why don't I bring Gimli? <laughs> and then it's just one of those things where you're like, I, and, and despite him being called out to the sea and moving on to those undying, like he, he brings his best friend with him. It's like Gimli's the, like the way it's depicted in the books at least, Gimli is the only dwarf to actually make it to the undying lands. And eventually he does die there, right? He lives out his last days with his best friend. And it's just, it's really, uh, how would you say this? representative of the times i would say now there's just that relationship that's emphasized to such an, a degree that like friendship is like such an important thing and the way it's depicted is amazing right like there's nothing essentially romantic about it and it doesn't need to be romantic right but the fact that you know friendship to that degree transcends like so many levels especially like bringing them into the heaven for the elves essentially like it, it's just yeah, it's just really great. I would say it's very representative, and I really do appreciate the entire thing. But yeah, I would say. Oh yeah, and a quick note on that: they didn't just leave Aragorn; they waited for Aragorn to die. <laughs> when Aragorn eventually died at like two hundred something, uh, you know, being the king, they moved on. They moved All on. Right, let's yeah. go. <laughs> they moved on. They were just like, "All right, let's head out." Gimli and Legolas finally like left together. But yeah, like with that, I I, I guess. Before we get into like you know how we can really relate and how we really empathize and relate to these characters, uh, do you guys think that there were like major parts again in uh, books two and three that that were nice additions? I would say to the dynamic I mean, and the relationship. I mean, yeah, like a lot of the things that you you said made things a lot more interesting um about um the relationship like um, I, i'm speechless honestly speechless <laughs> i'll say that it's, it's a lot it's a lot you yeah, know? yeah it's just uh it's just yeah dude like I'm, I'm just i'm just stuttering at this point i'm just like wow okay cool like um in terms of uh movies books like like you know it would be cool if the if the movies like could have added scenes like that to give more context to to uh, to their characters but you know movies can only do so much and what they did 
was still was still worthwhile and still paid off pretty well and gave us a lot of satisfaction to see where they went from the beginning up until the end of the movie but hearing more about the books it's like behind the scenes like you know while, while Frodo, Sam, Pippin, Mary were off doing these other things there were things also happening you know exactly, back there yeah. you know like like this is just like yo Gimli I got a secret to tell you what <laughs> <laughs> the call of the sea. <laughs> the call of the sea. <laughs> Imagine Legolas is kind of like getting all like you know, getting getting all pumped or something like that, and like yo, I gotta tell Gimli, <laughs> thinking that or something like that. Oh no, it's just this is like of course, guys, that's not how they really talk. This is just me, <laughs> the frass <laughs> interpretation of the conversation. <laughs> But you know, it's just, it's 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 fun, you know, getting the extra context. I'm I'm a, I'm a sucker for these type of things, and it's it it makes you know it it builds in the imagination when you're watching the scenes happen. Like, oh, okay, they're past this point. Okay, this happened yeah. already. You know, their relationship has built off, and it 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 it, it allows me to think much more like how much how much bickering happened way before like their friendship really came. To to blue and all that. Yeah. So a lot to be a lot to appreciate, honestly, from books and the movies. But yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. How about you, Miko? Anything? Uh, for for me, it's more of an uh, it it's an appreciation for that their friendship was more than just the quest. Like it goes, it goes beyond that and. I, I, that's something I think the books do really well. Uh, we're gonna keep saying that, but once, it's it's <laughs> not to say that the movies did anything wrong. It's more of this is added context to their friendship, to their relationship. That while understandable, why it wasn't included in the movies, uh, learning it afterwards brings a bigger appreciation for their friendship and just even just goes to show just how strong of a friendship it is, you know, given the the racial differences, the cultural differences, and how that is seen in their peers from uh, their race. But how even then with all of that, with all that has happened, at the end of the day, they are friends. Friends good enough that even after, you know, hundreds of years, that they're still... that. King Legolas still calls for Gimli when he wants to leave, and Gimli still actually goes with him as well. So I think that's something that no matter, no matter the circumstances that made them become friends, at the end of the day, they became friends. They are friends, and that that stood the test of time, both literally and figuratively, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, so that's a really good point. Like, I I do think it it's interesting to note that, like, going back way back to what Frass said again earlier as well, that in regards to the context of the friendship even starting in the first place, right? Like, it was really allies of convenience, and it was just we're only working together because we have to, right? Like, the world's about to end, and we gotta do something, <laughs> right? And like working with Miko, what Miko said instead, like at the same time, it, it's more of despite that being the context right like despite that being has having such like a, a strange beginning or even like a sad beginning even 
the fact that it started something is what matters, right? And if I had to relate it today, especially with like all the tension that we have today, right? I love, I just love how fantasy, the fantasy setting depicts such drastic differences between peoples and like races even. Like it, it says like out loud different races, right? Like different peoples and everything. And them still working together for a common cause, right? And finding value, you know, through strife collectively, being able to work together in that degree. And it's just, it, it's such an idealized version of reality, I would say. Again, maybe that's why it's called fantasy. But that's at the same time, that's why I, I enjoy it. And that's why we enjoy it, right? Uh, especially today, going back to today, I, I would say that there are so many reasons or there's so many things that make us different that it's so sad that we don't see the things that make us similar right and because of that relationships suffer between races between peoples all these things occur all these tensions that could have been avoided if people just saw what made us alike rather than what made us different right and yeah, again, maybe that's why I like the fantasy setting where people put aside their differences and work together for a common goal. And especially nowadays when there is something that's threatening everyone, right? Like, you know, you know what it is. The, you know, the pandemic and the COVID and everything, COVID-19 and everything. It's just a matter of really taking into consideration that this is the time where everyone was sort of asked to work together, right? For a collective justice or you know, collective goal, a collective destroying of the one ring, if you would say. Uh, but even at that moment, there are going to be people who like who challenge that collective goal, right? People who who argue individuality at the cost of uh, collective justice, right, and collective service. And I'm saying I'm using the word a lot because that's essentially what it is. It's just being able to be a better person for your fellow man. And that, unfortunately, isn't as present as we want it to be today. I mean, obviously, there's like a number of reasons <laughs> that that could be happening with like individualistic, capitalistic society, whatever, whatever. But the, the point is, what I want to relate it with is that the, the story of Legolas and Gimli and a lot of fantasy setting, but I would say them, is that they challenge us to really become friends with everyone right that 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 different backgrounds and cultures don't define you as a person you're likely to find you're likely to find the most unlikely of friends in these kinds of situations who can teach you other things things that you were never exposed to things that you never thought even right things that you were limited to in your culture they let you break out of that comfort zone but most importantly again the thing that i want to emphasize is that they show us how similar everyone actually is Right, and I guess in the context of Lord of the Rings, isn't that something worth fighting for? That is very true. That is very true. Like I don't have much to add about. Like I did. Like, hmm. I mean, I did see that when watching the movie, but like, you know, looking looking into other movies that have tried doing this. Have you guys seen Bright? You know, that, that modern day where, like, orcs live amongst humans and stuff like that. It's Will Smith, um, and he's a cop. And they, they, they try to do the whole same thing uh, 
a similar a very similar thing where like you know orcs humans elves you know people don't like orcs that much and all that and they're trying to show that you know everyone's got like a human side to it and just you know hearing this conversation about you know legolas and gimli you know just two people at least you know it shows that that you know that yeah a lot of people you know can really just put their differences aside if they just learn how to how to you know take a time to be at peace with one another for for once like don't argue just you know allow yourself to sit with it and just have a conversation or just like spend a moment and then see what you guys you know um share similarities with and what you guys you know have total differences with and that, that, that one thing that that always like comes to mind is like it's okay to be different. It's okay to have differences. Yeah. As long as you understand, you know, because conversation and and time being with these people and learning why their differences happen, you know, it, it allows you to really, really, you know, come to terms with things and just you know learn to accept also and be like, oh, I get it, you know, and I, you know. It, I shouldn't have judged, you know. I I come from a different background. It doesn't work like this for me. I guess it does work like that for you. We could talk about this and let's see, like you know, where we can reach middle ground. We're in the you know in Lord of the Rings setting, Middle Earth. <laughs> oh my God! I hate you. I hate it. He did it. He did it. <laughs> I'll give you that, man. I'll give you that. Oh man, Nico, got anything to add? Uh. Uh, at first, I just kind of like, you know, to, to start off sad and then I'll try to make it a bit more lighthearted. Um, as, as Tony mentioned earlier that like, you know, the, the main thing is like these are fantasy worlds and it's a very idealized um, representation of friendship between races. And, and that, I think that's just such a sad statement, but then it's also really true. Yeah. Uh, there's... A, there's a lot of things in this world where it's like we're all human beings, we're all people, but it seems that a lot of people like to focus on the differences that divide us rather than the things that unite us, even in times where it feels like we should be united against a, a common enemy. But you know, beyond that, let's not drag too much on how depressing the real world is. <laughs> I think something key that like for I want to focus on from Fras is the you know, being at peace and coming together and listening to each other. I think you know I think that's something that relating it to to Gimli and Legolas. That's something that they had the opportunity to do together. That's something that they had uh, the chance and the willingness to encounter each other on this quest um, as initially allies of convenience and then moving on to becoming friends and i think there that's something that i think people can really relate to is sometimes you just need to give people the chance to get to know them i think you know because of you know stereotypes and uh how media has represented certain uh, races it can be it can be hard to um meet someone 
from a certain race or from a certain country and try to go into it with an open mind, uh, with an open heart and meet that person for who they are rather than how you think you know them. Um, and I think that's something that Legolas and Gimli and also Aragorn as well, that they did very well was they met each other not for who their races were, but for who they could be to help accomplish the goal that they were trying to attain. And, you know, I think something to all, uh, uh, something very relatable for me is how unexpected the friendship can be. And I think that's something that's relatable for a lot of people. Sometimes you make the closest friends at the most random of times, at the most unexpected moments in your life. For some very odd reasons, like I can, I can name a few of my friends, some of them present here, where how I met them was very odd circumstances, but it turned out to be that they were my closest, they became my closest friends. And that wasn't just because of that one moment, it's that because you had, I had that moment. And that was the opportunity for continued encounters to meet that person. I think that's something that people don't give enough credit is to just try to meet a person and meet them and not meet who not meet who you think they are. Which is really hard. <laughs> Especially with social media. Yeah. Uh, the fact that there are some stereotypes that have been around and that have some of which have been persisted, others which honestly shouldn't be around anymore. Yeah. But I think the thing that we can learn from fantasy, if we can't have that idealistic that races from different countries and different backgrounds will be able to fight together this one single enemy if there's something that this past year has learned it's that that probably won't happen <laughs> um, but what we can learn is that if countries can't do it if governments can't do it it doesn't mean that people can't do it individually on their own basis it might not be someone from an entirely different country, but it might be someone from your country who maybe has a slightly different background from you, who maybe didn't grow up the same with you. But you can still meet them for who they are rather than how society has presented them to you until that point. If, there, if there's something I can share, okay. Go I'm going to go into like, I'm going into backstory mode here because, you know, going to be sharing how we became friends. I don't know. For, for me, that was honestly one of the most unlikely things to happen. Very surprised, honestly. Because just just to you know let people know, um, me, Tony, Miko, and Raf uh, were part of the same barcada, part of the same group. There's seven more of us. <laughs> just to let you guys know, there's more. It's way more chaotic than this, than this dynamic here. But yeah, um, we we all met. At, uh, we all ended up becoming um, fre- uh, like a group at grade seven. But um, grade six, uh, I was classmates with Tony, and I wasn't hang out with him um, at 
at the time earlier at the start of the at the start of the year I was hanging out with a different crowd but um one time during lunch I was uh, I was alone and if ever like you got to meet Tony at grade six, he was the type of dude who would walk up to anybody and just like have the confidence to just like have a conversation and just be friends with them so he, so there he invites me to lunch and I end up like you know eating with him and some other some other classmates and then at grade seven tony brings in um what you call this a new friend to the table and it was miko and for me i was more surprised because i knew miko since kindergarten and then we we didn't really talk that much when we ended up in the same um in the same school afterwards but you know out of nowhere tony brings in this new friends like wow it's a friend from my childhood and now we're this we're this group where, you know, we're this, we're just a bunch of dudes, just a bunch of regular guys. <laughs> <laughs> just so, just a bunch of idiots, man. Just a bunch of idiots. And again, you know, like, honestly, I'd have to say, like, thanks to Tony, because, like, Tony really introduced me, well, you know, like, rekindled this friendship with Miko. He introduced me to Raf. He introduced me to, like, all the other other guys. And honestly, the band of brothers that we are, I'm so grateful for them to add one more thing to like go into to go into theme with this Miko Tony and I we have this thing where we share a ring <laughs> we can't not express that oh my god <laughs> we, we, we have, have to talk, talk about, about this <laughs> yeah it's this to. episode <laughs> go ahead go ahead oh man but yeah like you know long story short so uh we went uh the boys and I we went to we went to a convention and we we saw that they were selling you know the one ring so we ended up buying it but this one ring was too big for us so we were just like ah damn it you know we'll just like wear it along you know around their necks like a necklace and then you know as time passed Miko said that he lost the ring so we went to another convention and we God, bought. You're going into detail. You couldn't just talk about the ring and like leave it be. Nah, he, he dropped the you lost it for a while. Oh Have man. Anyway, so we went to another convention after like like what uh, a few months or like a year now, and then we found another ring. But this time it was too small. See Miko showing it right now for, for those who don't watching know. on video. Me, me Miko's the one watching the ring right now. I brought yeah. it out. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, so we got we got the, a smaller ring, and as as time passed again, Miko ended up finding the the first ring that he lost. It was in his wallet, I think, right? Yeah, it was in my wallet. It was oh in his wallet. God. So yeah. So now we we ended up having two rings, one too big and one too small, and we wear it around um our necks, and we try to to share it. Um, to to give it to to whoever um what you call it, this has to wear it for the month. But since it's the pandemic, look, uh, Miko's been holding <laughs> Miko's it. it for like <laughs> two years, <laughs> like a year for like almost two years now. Oh man, yeah. But yeah, you know, and and uh, what you call this? Uh, we had that bet saying like to whoever is gonna get married amongst us, we propose. With that, with that one ring, so it's a, it's a, it's a funny okay. fact that. Let's clear this up. Wait, I, okay. <laughs> the deal is that the ring. God, we were probably gonna, we should, we were probably like way over an hour. Um, 
there the deal is that the rings have to be present when you propose and then the first one to propose gets to keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do not need to propose with said rings because oh. let's be real. We're going to be shortchanging it, whoever it doesn't, that it doesn't fit. Is. It doesn't fit. It has to be, yeah, like it has to be where it or an early gift. Yeah. No, I think the original the original was you have to use the rings. And then we changed it. Like we we, amend, yeah, we, we amended it later on. <laughs> it was. We amended it okay. later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's cleared up. But yeah, you know, um, yeah, that's just going into theme of the episode. But, you know, for, for me, like, honestly, the, the friendship that we all have here, including the seven other guys that are <laughs> not with us right now. <laughs> the rest of the fellowship. You know, the, the rest of the fellowship, call it that. You know, like, I'm, I'm honestly, like, hella grateful. Kind of got me soft right now, man. You know, I'm just, like, super happy to, like, have a... Have a groove, like you guys. Bless you all. <laughs> Bless you all. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, can we end this before we get any more cringe? Yeah, I'm gonna chime in that I'm editing this. <laughs> but Rasta that was kinda crazy. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Yeah. Thanks for that, man. That was very wholesome. You know what? Wait, you know what? Here, to, 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 to just like put it straight it's into the theme. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna be talking about the friendship. I'm just gonna bring in a fun fact, just a fun fact, so people could just be like, whoa, it doesn't really need to be needed in this episode, but just bring it out here. The person who plays, okay, there was another Lord of the Rings movie, it's animated, but the person who plays Legolas is the actor who plays C3PO. That's his voice actor. Yeah, just wanted to bring that out there. And the guy who plays Aragorn is the guy is is the guy who plays Ollivander, the 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 wand maker. Yeah, <laughs> just so there, you know, just a fun fact. John Hurt and and Anthony Daniels, the the guy who plays Gimli Naman, his name's David Buck. He's not in a lot of known movies. Uh, but you know, just wanted to bring the the three hunters there. Just you yeah. know, fun fact. There, that's all I wanted to say. John okay, Hurt. That makes sense. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that makes sense. It's playing in my head right now, and it makes sense. Oh man, that's awesome. I don't know why I got so excited. Thanks, man. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, again, um, I really do want to emphasize that. Yeah, I think I do think this episode is really more about emphasizing friendship and really, as Miko mentioned really meeting people at where they are, right? And really giving the opportunity for you and for them to know who they truly are, right? And with that, thank you so much for watching this episode of the Popcast 3 Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you in the next one. Oh, hey, you're still here. Thanks for listening in. This podcast is really a way for us to share ideas and we have a lot of fun with it. We hope you did too. Feel free to comment your favorite part, any insights you've had while listening in, or maybe even a character for us to review. You never know, your suggestion might be the next one. But that's it for this episode. See you in the next one.